from the New York City area, welcome to the Badass Counseling Show, where the master badass himself, Sven Erlinson, takes you deep and gives balm for the soul, baby. Welcome to the Badass Counseling Show. This is Sven Erlinson. It's great to have you here today. For all of those uh, of you who are tuning in from other platforms, be it TikTok or Instagram or LinkedIn or wherever you found our show or found me, we're really happy to have you here today. We're into a tough topic today. Every single one of us in our lives has encountered experiences where we've had to wrestle with forgiveness where we've had to wrestle with the idea that someone has wronged us or we've been the one doing the wronging. And forgiveness is a tricky thing because if someone has wronged us, we get so loaded with emotion. We get so loaded with feeling like that hurt. And then after hurt comes anger, after hurt comes sad and, and so many other things. And we get full up and we don't know what to do. And what makes it worse sometimes is when the other person doesn't even acknowledge what the hell they did. And then you're really stuck in a quandary. Should I forgive if somebody's not even asking for forgiveness? Or where we're the one who wronged somebody and we go and, and ask for forgiveness or we go and we admit that we've done something wrong and we wait and we wait and maybe they don't forgive. See, what happens in forgiveness is that in, in, in apology, when someone's been wronged, when someone comes and seeks forgiveness, is that a power imbalance is created. The person who oftentimes is seeking an apology is giving the other person power over them, power to kick them in the teeth, power to say, hell no, to hell with you, or what have you. And very often people don't want to forgive. Very often other people don't want to seek forgiveness because it gives the other person power over you. So these are some of the things we're discussing today on this topic of forgiveness. And we've actually got two wonderful guests who are uh, calling in today, and uh, both of them struggling with uh, similar issues on this, whether to forgive, how to forgive. And uh, they each have a, a unique story. And we're starting today with Lori. Lori, are you there? Yes, I'm right here. It's great to have you here, Lori. Thank you so much. And what part of the country are you calling from today, Lori? I'm in Orange County, California. Ah, Lori, could I ask you to uh, just um, give our listeners a bit of a background on what you've been struggling with regarding forgiveness and sort of what the story is? Can you give me a little bit of background on that? Growing up, my father had like an untreated mental illness, but it wasn't diagnosed. But looking back, and it runs in our family, I have a mental illness. I know he had at least a mood disorder because he was rage and he was moody. And, you know, he just had a lot of symptoms. And he was really sarcastic, but it was mean. And he would insult you and um I felt like I was worthless like I wasn't good and I I still have that and my if I had someone that had explained to me like or validate my feelings or something I think it would have been better but my mother just said no he's you know just teasing he you're too sensitive and 
I don't think that I have to forgive. I, I just think that if I can accept, then that would have help me move on. That makes total sense. Did he ever apologize or admit that he had done anything wrong? Not to me, but he got physically violent with my sister and he knocked her down and literally kicked her out the door and she had nowhere to go. And um, on his deathbed, he apologized to her and um, she told him it never happened because she, you know, she wanted him to go in peace. Mm, wow. For you personally, Lori, was it worse what your dad did in how he treated you and invalidating you, and I'm assuming sort of insulting you too? Um, was it worse what he did for you personally? And it's different for every person. There's no right or wrong answer. Or was it worse what your mom did by sort of invalidating your experience and almost sort of selling that he's wonderful? Which hurt you more? My mom just not seeming to be someone that you, there was nowhere to turn. Mm. That was the hardest part. So you were trapped. Yeah. Wow. I felt trapped. And what was the effect of that for you, Lori? What was the effect of having a father that was abusive and hurtful with his rage and his unpredictability and so forth? What was it like for you to experience that? What was the effect of that, um, you know, after you moved out of the house and, and moved on with your life? It was like a relief to get out. And mm. now I have my own house and I make it a safe place. And it's, you know, you don't, it's not a scary place where I live. And it's just, you can relax and really relax because I was always tense. It's beautiful. And so it's not, I was going to say, it sounds like when you were growing up, uh, you were sort of always on edge. You were afraid in your own home. What was it like to go to school? Was school a scary place as well? Or was that somewhat of a relief for you? I think school was kind of a relief, but I didn't want to bring friends over to the house. I was embarrassed. Of course you were. That makes total sense. You never knew what would happen, I imagine. You had mentioned, you know, both your mother and your father did things that hurt. Um, are you struggling with... <laughs> trying to forgive both of them? Are you struggling with trying to determine if you even want to forgive both of them, or is it just one of them that you're mainly struggling with? I'm not really struggling with it now because I've just decided that I don't have to forget. What made you realize that, or what made you think that? Well, my father's passed away, and my mom, you know, we can get along superficially, mm -hmm. and but... You know, she's never going to admit anything was different than she painted it. So I just have to accept it. And so, but there's no desire to forgive your mom. And I'm not asking you to. I'm just uh, trying to understand where you're at. No. She, she wouldn't know what I was forgiving her for. Oh, wow. So she completely denies or doesn't even think she did anything wrong. Wow. Yeah. Well, that let's be let's be honest, Lori. That's got to make you mad. Yeah, I'm I'm angry inside, but I don't show it. I, I mean, I'll be I'll, I'll be totally honest, with Lori. I'm angry. I'm angry at your mom. I'm angry at your dad. Yeah, your dad's dead, but it doesn't change the fact. If I'm totally honest, I'm angry at both of them. I mean, the, your father, what a dick. I forgive me, but what a dick. I mean, doing that, intimidating his own children. And they don't even feel safe in their own home. 
in their own home, and then your mom basically selling how great dad is, and oh, there's nothing to see here, people, nothing to see here. She, the crime she commits is normalizing it and you know, making you think, okay, this is what life is, this is what home is, but also giving you, like you said, no safe haven. You had nowhere to turn. That's, that's horrible. And so what have you done, Lori, uh, over the years? What have you done with those feelings, the feelings of sadness, the feelings of fear, uh, the feelings of anger? What have you done with your feelings over the years? Well, I used to just get numb, and I still dissociate sometimes. But um, I've done therapy, years of therapy, and it has helped me to kind of see things how they were and understand them and just kind of not be so angry. I think that's great. And you know, what's interesting about that is one of the things that determines whether or not to forgive is, have I gotten all the feelings out? Am I in the process of getting all the feelings out? I agree with you a hundred percent that you're not, you're not obligated to forgive. If you don't want to forgive, don't forgive. And the truth is she's not asking, your mom's not asking for forgiveness. <laughs> she doesn't think she did anything wrong. So, But it, I like what you said about this notion of accepting. Can I ask you a question, though, about what your sister did? Do you feel cheated by your sister sort of letting your father off the hook? You said he's on his deathbed, and Dad says, gee, I'm sorry for what I did. And she says, I don't know what you're talking about. Nothing to see here. You didn't do anything. Do you feel cheated by her, like she robbed you of your truth? She has memory issues. I think she kind of blanks out a lot of things. So she might not even have remembered it. But wow. I was there. I remember. Oh, so you were there when this happened and he didn't apologize yeah. to you? No. Wow. So further invalidating you and your feelings. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I am so sorry, Laura. Thank you. No, truly, that's horrible. As you move forward now that you've decided to accept just accept your mother and that forgiveness isn't necessary and considering your father is dead, is this whole sequence of events of your childhood and all the feelings that go with it, is it at rest for you or is there still some measure of turmoil or anxiety inside of you over how you were raised? I think it's pretty much at rest, but I have a lot of self-doubt. Because of the messages you got? Yeah. Yeah. And... I mean, and that's unfortunate. You've heard me talk about before, I'm sure, if you, you know, you've followed me and so forth, is that those messages that a child gets, a child is like wet cement. A child's soul when he's a kid is like wet cement. And whatever messages you press into that are like when they lay the sidewalk out front, the, you know, the people who lay the sidewalk, and then they put tape around it so all the little peckerhead kids in the neighborhood won't walk in it or put their handprint in it or write in it with a stick, you know, Tommy is a fink. But then those, the people who do the sidewalk, they go home, and then all the little peckerhead kids in the neighborhood come out, and they push their hand in it, and they walk in it, and they write Tommy as a fink. But those messages harden. So if you have your father telling you, one of the two people who's love, supposed to love you the most on God's green earth, if you've got two people, you know, you're one of them telling you you're no good and insulting you and putting you down, that, that gets stuck inside, and that hardens. It really does, and that can that does can do powerful long term damage. But if you were to sum up, or if, if was there a repeated message 
that you got from your father, that maybe it was a regular phrase you heard him say about you, or maybe it was a certain look that sort of implied something. What was, you think, the main message that you got from your father about you? He would always compare us and say, why can't you be like your sister? Why can't you do this? And I didn't want to, it made me not want to attempt things because I didn't want to get put down that I wasn't good enough at it. So if you tried it and you failed or not even failed, but weren't super, there was always the fear that you were going to get criticized or put down. Am I hearing you correctly on that? Yes. Right. So then you become afraid to even try anything. I do. You, uh-huh. I don't know. Do you have any animals, Lori? Yeah, I have a dog. Yeah, okay. We have three dogs and uh, brought home a, a stray. And uh, and you know how strays can be. And this one had been abused and kicked and so on and so forth. And a skittish little dog. Just the, just nervous, nervous, nervous. Well, you kick a dog enough, they're going to be afraid and they're going to cower in the corner. And it's the same way with a kid. And it doesn't stop at 18, does it? It just goes and goes and goes well into adulthood that if you've been kicked and put down, that, that pain and that belief that I'm no good and I'm going to get hurt if I stick my neck out there, that belief keeps us from trying anything at times, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, I can understand. Exactly. I can understand that. Well, I'm glad to hear that you are in therapy and you're getting counseling for that and uh, digging down into those roots to find those origins because those beliefs, until they come out of us, they're still in us and they sort of they can run the show where they can have a huge influence. So I applaud you for going down into that, Lori. Lori, you've been a great guest, and I thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, I wish you only the best in the future. And thank you for coming and sharing your experiences with us. Thank you. You bet. Lori's an excellent example of the fact that forgiveness and coming to that resolution of whether or not to forgive can be done on one's own. Coming to that point of giving oneself permission. I mean, think about that. Lori was so beat down by her own father and that crap was normalized by her own mother, yet she managed, as she got into adulthood, she managed to give herself permission to not forgive. Yeah, part of it was sort of led by the resolution or the realization that, shit, her mom's not going to admit it anyway. But to still give yourself permission to not forgive, that I don't have to forgive. We hear so much. This is actually, this is an issue for me. And I talk about this in my book. You know, there's a hole in my love cup. I talk about this notion that one of the biggest mistakes people make in life when it comes to addressing their past, when it comes to looking at their childhood and the things that were done to them or the things that weren't done that should have been done, one of the biggest issues is wrestling with this notion of forgiveness. And too often what people do is they will look at the, in the movie of their life, they will look at the adults, they will look at their parents and say, well, Shit, you know what? After mom died, dad did his best. You know, he was raising two kids and he was working, so he did his best. Or, you know what? After dad cheated and mom was left as a single mom and she was working and so forth, I forgive her. Yeah, she wasn't always there, but you know what? I forgive her. And people, when they look at the movie of their life, when they think back on it all, they're quick to excuse, they're quick to forgive, they're quick to say, oh, I understand. And I'm not saying you shouldn't forgive. That's not the point. The point is, forgiving too soon short circuits the most important part. And that is the bringing up, the drawing up, the allowing up of the pain and the hurt and the sadness and the anger 
of that four-year-old kid, of that eight-year-old kid, of that 12-year-old kid. And so in, in, in an effort to forgive, in an effort to sort of move forward or this is what I should do, we let them off the hook before that eight-year-old inside of me ever has his due, before that voice is ever heard. So it has the effect of I'm now, by forgiving that parent before I'm ever allowed to get those feelings out of me, I'm now silencing that eight-year-old a second time. See, when that kid was hurt at eight or 12 or 16, that kid was taught the message, your voice doesn't matter. Your feelings don't matter. And so the child stuffs it down deep inside. They put it in a cigar box, wrap it up in duct tape, and stick it way down deep inside under the bed next to the Christmas sweaters, or they stick it in the vault. They get the distinct message, my feelings, who I am, doesn't matter. And so that child gets silenced by the two people who are supposed to love him the most in the, in the entire world. His voice gets silenced. Her feelings get silenced. And now, if at 36 or 42 or 51, I say, well, you know what? I understand. I let mom and, dad, mom and dad off the hook, or I let dad off the hook, or I forgive mom. Then I'm basically silencing that child's feelings again. I'm recommitting the crime. And so that child never gets his or her voice heard. The pain is inflicted twice. I am, I am re-victimizing that child. See, this is the problem, folks. The, pro the problem is that it's now me doing it. And so back to this notion of forgiving too soon, it's not that we shouldn't forgive. It's not that we can't forgive. The question is, what are you doing first? Do you have the courage to go down inside, remember those memories, and, and look at and feel the, the emotions, the feelings that are attached to those memories? And see, that's what we're afraid of. So often, we don't want to look at the kid in the movie of our lives. We don't want to look at how it felt. We don't want to remember those fucking feelings because it hurt so fucking bad. So we want to forgive very, on, very often because, hey, I'm forgiving. It looks like an honorable thing, but really what I'm doing is I'm running. I'm running from the feelings that I don't want to experience. I'm running from the memories I don't want to experience. I'm doing it in the, in the, in, in the sort of the, under the auspices of, hey, I'm doing the honorable thing and forgiving, or I'm letting them off the hook. And maybe you're under, coming under pressure to do it, but what you're really doing is you're fucking running from that shit of all those memories and all those feelings. You can forgive all you want, but if you're doing it at the expense of the feelings, if you're doing it before you feel the feelings and get all that out of you, you are short-circuiting your own growth, your own life, your own health, your own happiness, your own inner peace. And you're doing it so that you can have something from someone else. And very often the reason, and this is really the insidious part, very often the reason that we want to forgive or that we want to say, oh, I understand, or we let the parent off the hook. Very often the reason we do that is because we still want something from that parent. We still want something. We still want their approval. We still want their acceptance or their acknowledgement of what they did or their admission or their apology. We still want something. So we figure if I'm nice and I let them off the hook, then they'll give me what I want. But the truth is if you're 35, if you're 42, if you're 61 and you still haven't gotten that acceptance or approval, you have, let's say, a 55-year pattern of behavior that they have no interest. As we saw with Lori, our first guest, the parent has no interest in acknowledging what they did wrong. And so we wait and we wait and we wait and we maybe even let them off the hook or we maybe even forgive and it never fucking comes. 
And we spend our life waiting for something that's never going to fucking come. We waste our lives bending and contorting and forgiving, hoping we'll get something that we never give. And then there's one last thing I want to bring up before we go on to our next guest. Um, and that is people say, well, you know, you don't forgive for the other person, you forgive for yourself. And I really fucking hate this, really hate this. And let me tell you why. Because you're not doing yourself any favors if you're forgiving before you get those feelings out that I was just talking about. The feelings of the hurt, the feelings of the anger, the feelings of the sadness. Until you get all that out, it's still in you. Until the pain is out of you, it's in you still. And so if you're forgiving for the sake of the other person, you are short-circuiting your own feelings because, you know, well, actually I'm doing it for myself because if I just forgive, then, the, then I'm better. You're not better. The fucking feelings are still inside of you. You're not doing yourself any favor by saying you forgive. You're just packing those fucking feelings down even deeper. So when people say, oh, you know, you got to forgive for yourself, that's bullshit. You're just packing your shit down deeper. So the question becomes, do you have the courage to go into the very shit you've been running from your entire life? So when we come back, we're going to talk to Miguel, who has a fascinating story, and it'll be great to get his take on forgiveness after this. It took me to the place that scared me the most, the crap I've been running from my whole life, the stuff that's been dragging me down, and it literally began the healing. I feel lighter, clearer, and just happier. Finally, some freaking peace. You got to get this book. There's a hole in my love cup or the do-it-yourself video courses, all at badasscounseling.com. It's totally killer stuff. This show provides soul counseling intended to entertain and inform and is not medical advice. What's the badass got next? Welcome back. It's great to have you back to the show. We are discussing forgiveness the ugly ass business of when to forgive. Do you forgive? Am I fucking obligated to forgive? Does the other person even want forgiveness? Will they accept my apologies? There's so much uh, entangled up in this, and there is not a single person alive who hasn't had to wrestle with this, whether in their familial relationships, in their love relationships, uh, with friends. It comes up everywhere. And uh, we got a great guest on. Our next guest is Miguel, and uh, Miguel's calling in from Quebec, and uh, thanks for joining us, Miguel. How are you today? Thanks. I'm uh, doing well. You? Yeah, doing great. Thanks so much. Miguel, why don't you give us a little background on uh, what you've been struggling with with regard to uh, forgiveness, please? Oh, I think it's got to go back to just the relationship with my father at the moment right now is that back in December, a close family member, my grandmother, passed away of cancer. And two days after we packed up her house, I was sitting at home and my mom swung by to sit me down and tell me what she found out. And from what she told me was that she got information from a friend and confirmed it with my older sister that my older father had sexual relations with her. With your sister. But just, to, yeah, with my older sister, just to clarify, it's not his daughter. This is, uh, it says, uh, he raised her since she was eight months old. And then, uh, yeah, just after that, I was just in shock because this is all when I was living with him when I was 17. I'm 21 now. Okay. So when I was 17, I, he was doing that right behind my back while I was paying his bills, paying her bills to keep a roof over my niece and, my niece and uh, nephew's, uh, well, 
for them to keep an, uh, a roof over their heads. So just so I've got this straight, um, your mother tells you that she had heard sort of uh, from a family friend that your father was sleeping with your sister or stepsister. Um, your half-sister. Half-sister, okay, but not your father's child. Um, but he had raised her since she was eight months old. Um, is there, did you get any more information on what, why that transpired or what? From the messages that were between them that I read that my mom received from my older sister were that sadly my sister suffers with uh, substance abuse. And that's when we all found out that she was just getting money just to go out and buy whatever she, her fix. Like drugs or something and, along those lines. Yeah. Wow. How old, roughly how old were you when this was happening? How old were you and roughly how old was your uh, half-sister when this was happening? I was 17. She was about 23. Okay. So you're 17 and you're actually supporting her, her children, you said, your niece and nephew, as well as your father. Yeah. You're supporting them. Yeah. At age uh, 17. Uh, 17 high school student. Holy shit. Wow. So talk to me. What, what the fuck goes through your fucking head? What the, I, I have to ask this first. I have to ask this first. How did your mom find out? Why would a family friend know? How the fuck could a family friend possibly know? My mom found out through a psychic and then got confirmation from my older sister. Your mom went to a fucking psychic. The psychic says there's some fucking serious shit going on. Your mom then goes to your sister and your sister confirms it. Yeah. Shows, sends her all the texts, all the messages, all the photos. Oh, it made me sick to my stomach. No shit. All the messages, all the texts, all the photos. So there were actually photos taken. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is unequivocal. This, this not. This is just uh, maybe it happened, or there was just a little bit of this. It was like you have photos. The worst part when I confronted my dad about it, he tried to lie about it. What did he say? Tell me it was all it was all made up. It was like, oh, you know how she is. She's just on crack all the time. You can't believe anything she says, blah, blah, blah. And then like maybe two hours later, I asked my mom and she showed me the text, the pictures and everything. And I was like, okay, so he just lied to my face after I asked him to be honest with me. No shit. And so did uh, you go back to him then? Did he ever come clean? What, what became of that? He, he never accepted it. He never told me in his own words that yes, it happened. He always, he's in the denial about it but we haven't spoken since december up until may from december until may so you're saying you guys spoke then uh this last may what were the circumstances there oh i showed up to his house to just get a battery for my motorcycle i had to go pick up my motorcycle for the summer and then just right off the bat huge argument yeah i started by him or by you by him he tried to keep my motorcycle from me and what did you do or what what happened i mean what was the nature of the argument then uh i asked he told me he's like uh since it's been six months since you uh, you haven't spoken to me i'm like yeah but i'm also not the only person with a cell phone you could have reached out to me why didn't you uh -huh. deep down i, I kind of figured that it was that he was he knew that i i knew about what was going on and he was a little frightened of uh what could happen between us two so did it ever come up yeah, I brought it up right there and then. And what did he I say then? I slept with my fucking sister. And he's like, oh, she just lies and lies, just trying to 
cause shit and all that. And I was like, I have proof. Like, you can't lie. I have the proof sitting right here. And he had nothing to say about that, I assume, or what? Yeah, nothing to say. He's, uh, he just started getting emotional and all that. And I just left before I, I got, I got too angry. And so what has there been any contact or reaching out since that time? Yeah. He messaged me time to time to see how I'm doing with work and like, when can I stop by to see him and all that. But then, uh, probably the, yeah, the next day after I sent you guys an email about it, about, uh, I seen your ad on TikTok and all that for the show. Uh, I got a message from a very close friend of ours. Me and him, we met through a late friend of ours. And he texted me. He's like, can you tell your dad to stop creeping on my girlfriend? Whoa. My dad was texting her, hey, you're sexy and gorgeous, this and that. I was like, this is not the first time. It's happened seven times before. Wow. So dad's a real fucking piece of work. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. So we is- had a 15-year-old neighbor. What? And he also messaged her. Oh, he messaged a 15-year-old neighbor that she had a cute little ass, and I confronted him about it, and he tried to weasel his way out. Wow. And so let me ask you, is he wanting back in your life? Are you wanting him back in your life? Where does it stand? Yeah, he wants he wants me to he wants to fix things and all that and work shit out, but it's just deep down inside it's like how how can I like how can I just go back to a father-son relationship after finding all this out? Like, I'm very close to my siblings. Like, I always watched over my little sister, always watched over my older sister. And to find this out, it just it just took me apart. I can't even imagine, Miguel, I truly cannot even imagine the amount of mixed feelings you have inside of yourself, the amount of turmoil. I mean, on one hand, I forgive me, but it's my dad. But on the other hand, it's like, are you fucking kidding me? And then, and it's not just a one-off. I mean... To hear all these other examples and a 15-year-old neighbor on top of that and and your buddy's girlfriend on top of that, but your sister, your fucking sister whom he raised. What's the hardest part for you? Hardest part is uh, being able to show my face in front of family. Show your face? What is what? Because it's just it's just the part of the embarrassment that everyone knows that that's my father, right? That they'll probably just expect the same thing to come from. Ah, let me ask you this: Um, It sounds like you're pretty close to your extended family. Is that right? Cousins and so Uh, forth. Most of them are still around. Okay, let me ask you this: Um, If if this had happened to one of your cousins. I'll just make up a name. If this happened to your cousin, Steve, I'm just making up a name. And it was his father. And you heard the whole story. And you saw Steve at a family event. Would you snicker at Steve and say, ah, what a fucking douchebag. And a fuck Steve, what a fucking flake. Would that be how you thought of Steve? Or how would you think of Steve knowing he had nothing to fucking do with it, it was his father and so forth, would you think less of your cousin Steve if his dad had done this shit? Fuck, never thought of it that way. There's nothing that could happen in my family to where I look at my cousin differently. No, right. So if you knew that your cousin Steve, and again, I'm just making up the name, but if you knew that your cousin Steve hadn't done a fucking thing wrong, then his old man was the fucking sick fuck, you wouldn't judge Steve, would you? You wouldn't hold it against Steve. You wouldn't think less of Steve. He had nothing to fucking do with it. Uh, 
Exactly. Exactly, Miguel. Anybody who's worth half a shit in life or in your family is looking at you, and they're not thinking, oh, snicker, 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 look at Miguel. No, they're thinking, the poor kid. God, Miguel has always been a straight-up guy. Miguel's always worked so fucking hard. He supported his family. And now, you know, he has to deal with this. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if your family's half as good as, you know, you, you probably love them for, they're looking at you with compassion and love, and they feel bad for you. You know, I mean, and I would think that would make, if I were, that would make me sad to think about that. Does that make you a little bit sad to think about that? Oh, yeah. 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 And so let me ask you this. So we, the show today is about forgiveness. And so where are you at um, with the whole idea of forgiveness? What do you personally, regardless of what anybody else says, where are you at personally with the idea of forgiveness? I, I find if, uh, People who deserve forgiveness are the people who are actually putting the work in. People who are actually trying to fix things or make things better, not repeating the same bullshit that they've been doing. Interesting. So if I'm hearing you, Miguel, for you personally, and everybody's different, right? What, uh, you know, my producers, Rob or KC or, or Susie or Billy or Bobby or Jeff or Tommy or Paul, what any person has for their forgiveness mindset, for their feelings on forgiveness is totally up to them. If I'm hearing you correctly and you correct me if I'm wrong, I don't mind being wrong. All right. I just want to understand for you personally, your belief is I'm willing to consider forgiving if the other person is admitting their shit. Doing the work, like you call it. Is that roughly what I hear you saying? That's exactly it. Okay. And from what I also hear you saying is your father ain't admitting a shit. He ain't owning it. Is that correct? Exactly. So then let me ask you this. And and I I love your philosophy on forgiveness. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Let me ask you this, though. Are you allowing yourself, this may sound weird, but are you allowing yourself to get up and to get out all of your feelings? And I don't necessarily even mean at your father. I just mean allowing your feelings out because you got it. I would think you're feeling anger, you're feeling sad, you're feeling you know, disgusted and, and so forth. I would think that you have a lot of feelings inside. Let me ask you, what do you do to get your feelings out so that it's not getting packed down? Uh, I was suggested to a counselor right after my, my best friend passed away. Mm-hmm. And then I came across you on TikTok, and then I got I ended up buying your book. Uh, There's a hole in my love cup, and you know what? It really helped me through. It, it mostly helped me just open up my eyes to a different way of looking at at situations. Right on. Rather than just holding it all in and just letting it beat me down, to just actually be able to deal with my issues day by day, week by week. Amen. And that dude, that is it. And. You know, uh, counseling is great. I'm a big fan of it. Um, But the truth is you can also do stuff on your own, as I talk about in the book, so you already know. But journaling is a great way. Letter writing. And if you haven't done that yet, but sitting down, you know, maybe you have a beer, a cup of coffee or whatever, you sit down, and when you got some time, and you write a letter to your dad that you're never going to give to him. Okay, you're never going to give, you're never going to hit the send button, never going to put a stamp on it. And the reason I say that is because sometimes we think, well, shit, if I'm going to give it to this person, uh, well, I better say this instead, or I better say it in a nicer voice or whatever. The goal is just to get the feelings out. And the difference between journaling and letter writing for a lot of people is anybody can write a fucking letter. But some people think, well, if I journal, I don't know how to do that. What should I say? Versus 
fuck it. I'm just going to sit down. And what it enables you to do is pour it all out. You fucking asshole. I want to fucking, you know, wring your neck. Da, 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 da. How the fuck could you do that? And then my buddy's girlfriend and writing out all your fucking feelings. And there can be a tremendous sense of relief. Tremendous sense of sort of lifting the burden off with some of my clients. I'll have them write a letter and they'll read it back to me and we'll talk about it. And then I'll have them write it again a month later until all those fucking feelings are out. But I have to believe, Miguel, that you have a mass, and, and thank you for saying that about the book, you know, the Love Cup book, but I, I have to believe there's a massive amount of like feelings and mixed feelings and so forth. Um, I, I do have to ask one little sort of um, accounting issue, so to speak, and that is when uh, he r reached out to or was uh, going after the 15-year-old, were the police called? Oh, dude, you're gonna shit yourself when you hear this. Well, I look forward to His, this. Her mom is a 911 operator. Oh, oh yeah. I showed up to the house when she was there arguing with him about it. So, how did she find out about it? Uh, she confiscated her daughter's phone. But how did she find? What drove her to confiscate her phone? Why did she know to confiscate her phone? I have no idea. Okay. I don't know what happened. Up to that point, I just showed up at home and she was outside, and then I found all that out. Wow! So she was a nine one one operator. She confiscates her daughter's phone, finds out that your dad, a grown ass fucking man, has been texting a fifteen year old girl, her daughter. She confronts him, massive blowout. And did anything become of that? I mean, did you know police had called or anything we, like that? Wait, two months later, we 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 moved away like a month a month or two later. Yeah, I can imagine you did. Let me ask you one last question about, um, you know, it's it's interesting that you say, you know, your, your take on forgiveness is if the person's doing the work, I'm open to considering it. And yet your first experience, the first time you confronted with your dad, you confronted your dad, you said he lied about it. So there's no good faith there and he hasn't made any effort yet. Let me ask you one last question. And that is regarding forgiveness. Do you feel pressure from anyone else other than your father, do you feel pressure to forgive him? Are you getting like sort of messages or, or looks or sort of expectations from anyone else in your life that, gee, you should forgive your dad? No. Good. I, I want to take my time with this. I want, I want him to, to know how it feels that, you know what, you you went too far. You crossed the biggest line you could with me. Uh, I'm not your little boy where you're just going to be like, oh, yeah, don't believe what they say, only believe that. And it's no. Wow. Another part is, is like I try to be there the most I can for my little sister because them, they, them two were their bond was very close, and we also asked her if he ever would. Oh, luckily she said no, nothing ever happened. But if there's something that would have happened, I don't, I don't even know what I would have done. Right, right. Well, I tell you, I really applaud you, Miguel, for being so deliberate about your relationships with your sisters and uh, in life and and with yourself. Being, being deliberate about taking care of yourself and taking your time, and I'm not rushing in anything, and I don't have to forgive anyone. I mean, you know, there are some people that would argue, well, shit, there are certain crimes I don't have to fucking forgive for. You know, if there's a God, leave that up to the God, but I don't have to fuck. And I think some people would say, this one might be one of those crimes. Um, now, I'm not selling that. I'm just saying everybody has their own take, and that's okay. I guess I, what I want to say is for a 21-year-old guy to... A, have been put through this is horrific. And I'm sorry you had to go through all this and that you are going through it, all of it inside of you. I mean, this is fucking fresh, man. It's eight months ago, nine months ago. It's fresh. Um, 
that you have to go through it is awful. But I got to tell you, I admire you. And I mean this very sincerely, Miguel, because I've never been through it, anything like that. And that you are being deliberate about taking your fucking time and you're not going to be pressured. And that you're just going to honor your own soul and just keep getting that pain out and the fears out and so forth. And, uh, and I, I hope you can believe that your family, because I believe they probably do. Your family loves you and your family respects you. They're not snickering behind your back or saying how stupid you are. They probably feel bad for you and, and they want to love on you and be kind to you. And um, I, I just, I really admire you, Miguel. You're a hell of a guy. I mean that. Thanks, man. I mean a lot. You bet. You bet. Well, listen, I am so grateful you came on the show and uh, and shared your story with us and your own struggles with forgiveness. I really appreciate that. And, uh, dude, I hope you have a kick-ass day. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. You bet. And after we come back, uh, just a few more things on forgiveness. And uh, we wrap up our show today uh, that we had with Miguel and Lori. And uh, let's cut to a commercial. Are you finally ready to turn your life around? Finally get the clarity, happiness, and sense of purpose you've been waiting for your whole life? Then go to BadassCounseling.com now and get the international best-selling book, There's a Hole in My Love Cup. It changed my life. It'll change yours. Now, back to the badass. Man. Wow. What a story. Casey, Rob. What a story. What a remarkable young man. And at that age and that he was supporting his family and that his father did that and without remorse without shame uh and then this kid is standing up and to hear a 21 year old male say i'm gonna take my time with this and i gotta work through my own stuff and it's like ah we're breeding a whole new batch of males uh i love love hearing that but forgiveness is tough Forgiveness is tough, and the questions around it swirl, and they swirl. And, you know, in the case of Lori's story, in the case of Miguel's story, so many issues loaded into it. And the other players in, in the drama with Lori, the mother normalizing what the father was doing, the abuse of the father, and the anger at both, and can I forgive? And then Miguel wrestling with perhaps one of the ugliest of crimes in all of humanity, committed by his own father against his own sister, and it's, forgiveness is hard. But one of the things we discover in life, at the very least as we age, is that we have the right to find our own peace. Despite the things that were done to Lori, despite the things that were done by Miguel's father to people that Miguel loved, there's a striving for my own sense of peace. And if it helps me to reach that peace uh, inside, I can forgive or I cannot forgive but when you've been wronged or when you've been put in an extraordinarily difficult situation, you have every right to do what you need to do. But in the end, you have to get out the pain. You have to get out the pain. And so to you, all of you listening today on this great episode, this was great, of the Badass Counseling Show, I ask you, what are you struggling with? Who do you need to forgive or who do you need to not forgive? But are you getting the feelings out? Are you removing the, the pain? Because until the pain is out of you, it's still in you. Wishing you only the very best, and I hope you have a kick-ass day. The Badass Counseling Show is strictly copyrighted. No copies may be made without the express written consent of the Badass Counseling Show, LLC. The Badass Counseling Show is produced by Karen Camparelli and Robert H. Friedman. 
Executive producer, Sven Erlinson. Original music by Trevor Morris. Have a kick-ass day.